This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. 2-0 on track. This one is crushed. Left center field way out of here. Now here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. Excited to be with you today. Look, I know, I know it's been a while since we've had a chance uh, to do this podcast, and we have a ton that we want to share with you uh, here about what's going on with the Angels. So much to talk about. I want to talk about some of the Angels' new additions from the trade deadline. I'm going to chat with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. He's going to fill us in on the Baseball America, the national perspective of what the Angels have done over the last six weeks or so in terms of acquiring talent, what they have done to build up uh, the farm system and just the pieces that they have brought in both in the draft and the deadlines. We're going to have that for you uh, coming up in a bit. Boy, I tell you, the Rocket City Trash Pandas in A have been fun to watch this year. Josh Carey and I, he's the play-by-play voice of the Rocket City Trash Pandas, had a conversation uh, a little over a week ago. We're going to share that with you uh, coming up here on the podcast some really good insight about what is going on in double a in rocket city how this team has played this year uh nobody is closer to it than josh carried he's gonna have some great insight for us there there was a cool event at the big a uh with the science of baseball uh earlier this week we're gonna share that uh, with you as well so we have a ton to cover here on the podcast today but where we begin is with who else but Shohei Otani. Now, we're recording this after Wednesday's game when Shohei Otani just went 4-5 for five with a triple, a homer. Uh, Otani ends up going 8-13 for 13 in the series. And going into Friday's game in Detroit, if you look at the last 17 for Shohei Otani, he's batting 344 in that stretch. He's got three triples, six home runs. He's driven in 10. It's been really cool to see what Shohei Otani has done in that stretch. And for Otani, to me, the MVP conversation, quite frankly, isn't even close. And I know Aaron Judge has hit a lot of home runs. I know he's got 46 homers on the year. But I do think if you look at those last 17 games, it is not insignificant what Otani has done. Now, there are going to be some voters that no matter what are going to look at one stat and one stat only, and that's wins above replacement. And if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, well, those voters are definitely going to vote for Aaron Judge because Otani had a lot of ground to make up. He was basically a a game and a half behind Aaron Judge. Well, Otani has closed that gap rather significantly. Now, if you go on baseball reference, Aaron Judge's war is 6.9 to Otani's 6.4. So Otani is coming in hot right now in the war statistic, and it's because he's putting up great offensive numbers. We've seen the great pitching all year long. That number is staying consistent. Uh, but you look at the offensive numbers Otani is putting up in those 17 games, Otani has raised his batting average from 251 to 265. His OPS has gone from 832 to 875, and he continues at this trend. He might end up passing uh, a lot, a lot of guys as far as the offensive categories are concerned because you're talking about a player in Shohei Otani that probably on his own as just a hitter is going to be a top five finalist for MVP in the American League. Somebody that's top 10 uh, in home runs, he's top three in triples, and you just kind of go across the board and the numbers that Shohei Otani has put up in the American League are absolutely sensational. And then you factor in the pitching side, where Otani as a pitcher only would probably be a top three finisher for Cy Young. 
and just looking at the numbers. And it's especially going to be important that he qualifies. If Otani ends up getting to 162 innings, that's the number you got to get to qualify. And that basically means he has to go six innings the rest of his remaining starts, or average six innings the rest of his remaining starts. Totally doable for Shohei Otani. If Otani's able to do that, you're talking about a guy that, again, is going to be a top three finisher in Cy Young voting, and then you factor in what he is as a hitter. He's he's going to be a top five offensive player in the American League. You put the two together, please tell me how that is not the most valuable player in the American League. To me, it's a slam dunk. It's Shohei Otani. And and look, if Aaron Judge ends up hitting 70 home runs, well, that's a different story, but his pace has fallen off uh, over the last uh, week or so. Judge was uh, on a real tear there for a while, and again, he still hit 46 home runs to this point. I mean, that is not anything to shrug off by any stretch. Compare that to the 27 uh, hit by Shohei Otani. I-, I get the judge has hit a lot of home runs, but Otani is doing everything. He is a threat on the bases. He's constantly taking the extra base. And the stat that is most impressive to me about Shohei Otani is a simple one. It's games played. Shohei Otani simply does not miss games for the Angels right now. It is absolutely incredible. He is in the lineup every day, whether he's pitching or not, the day after he pitches. It's incredible what Shohei Otani has done. He is the modern-day Iron Man. What he is doing, and I know that we're not talking about the years and years that you know Cal Ripken you know, had his streak. And Shohei Otani, though, Basically saying, as a pitcher and going through the work it takes to be a Cy Young caliber elite pitcher in baseball, going through all of that and also hitting every day, that's just phenomenal. It is phenomenal what Shohei Otani is doing. I'm telling you, games played, to me, is the most interesting stat. And by the way, he's going to shatter the record for games played in baseball as far as MVP voting is concerned because the MVP counts your pitcher starts and your hitter starts. So Otani's going to have like 190 games played or something like that. I mean, it's going to be absurd. So he's going to shatter uh, the baseball record on that front. Um, it's it's incredible what Shohei Otani is putting together. So I just wanted to mention that. I want to talk about Shohei right off the top uh, because it has been just so cool to see him. Angels also excited to be getting Mike Trout back in the lineup. Boy, it's been a long time coming. July the 12th, the last time we saw Mike Trout uh, in an Angels uniform on the field play playing in a game, uh, but now we're going to see Trout uh, expected to return on Friday in Detroit. But before he gets back to his baseball work, Mike did something pretty cool on Wednesday at Angel Stadium. There were roughly 50 to 60 student-athletes from the MLB Urban Youth Academy that are participating and showcasing science projects as part of the Science of Sport program. It's a nonprofit dedicated to developing curriculum and programming that promotes STEM, that's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, everybody brought their projects to the Big A. They were we're hanging out, and then Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon went around and got a chance to look at all of these kids' projects. Elementary school, middle school age, uh, most of these kids. And uh, it was pretty neat for them, I think. Mike Trout and, and Anthony Rendon, I think, really enjoyed it. I also will never forget seeing the expression on the kids' faces when those two showed up. I mean, it was absolutely incredible to see. Totally inspiring. And it was something that I had a chance to talk about with Darren Heaton. He's the executive director of Science of Sport, along with Daryl Miller, who's now the vice president of baseball and softball development for Major League Baseball and their youth program. So here now is our conversation with Darren Heaton and Daryl Miller. 
Okay, we got a couple of good guests right now. We got Darren Heaton and Daryl Miller here. Darren was with uh, Science of Sport. We're just out here seeing Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon take a look at the science projects everyone's putting together for the science of baseball. Here at Angel Stadium, what can you tell us just about uh, the work that you guys do and what this is all about? Yeah, I mean, the, the goal of this program is really to bring math and science to life through baseball and softball. And so this camp is just a real unique opportunity to help them improve academically and their athletic ability. So, you know, today is a culmination of the past four weeks in which every day they've been coming to the MLB Compton Youth Academy and been there for four hours a day doing fun activities, interactive, hands-on learning, while also working on their playing skills, their player development. So it's, it's such a unique opportunity, especially today, you know, they get to come out, showcase their projects, you know, show them to some, some of the players and some of the fans. And so uh, it's just really amazing to see the smiles on these kids' faces and just the memorable experience for them uh, as it makes an impact, hopefully, going into the school year. Darrell, I know that you're spending a lot of time with the uh, MLB Youth Academy now. And, boy, I, I can only imagine uh, the impact uh, for these guys be able to see Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon spending time with them. What do you think that does for these kids to be able to see big leaguers uh, coming in and, and seeing their hard work? Well, and, and they're not just big leaguers. These are superstars. I mean, this is like that other level, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, make a big point, but it's a big deal for our young men and women that, that participate in this program. This is the best educational program out there, STEM, for inner city kids, because science, technology, mathematics engineering that's where we're headed in our in our world and for this for us to do this program with science of baseball um, the academic ceiling is increased every single time we, we do this tournament these kids under I mean not tournament this uh, this program these kids really get it they're starting to really go to that next level and not only is it making helping them academically, but it's also helping baseball create fans. There's a lot of really intelligent kids in the inner cities that don't play baseball or may not play another sport, but this now, we, we've been able to create more fans because these kids love science of baseball. They love the science piece of it. So now we're connecting the dots, and that's something we never thought could ever happen. But academically, this is second to none, and it really legitimizes all the educational programs that we put together along with, you know, because Rocky's here, our, our, our coordinator of all our education, uh, you know, we, it, it really legitimizes what we do, especially at the younger age. I'll tell you this, having had a chance to spend some time every year uh, at the facility and you look at the baseball complex and the baseball, I mean, the baseball is fantastic, but I know something that when we talk, it's always about the academic side of it too. Just how essential is that for the development for all these kids to have a chance through academics and sports? Well, we, we know that the, the bottom line is academics, and for a lifetime, you know, if they're going to play at the, at the next level, most of these kids are going to have to go to college, junior college or college, and if they can't qualify to go to college, they're, they're going to be really disqualified, you know, from an educational perspective, but also an athletic perspective. We learned that at the very beginning. So this program, like I said, it gets our kids a lot they gets our kids academically su supported at a young age. Therefore, when Rocky and we get all the other programs going, when they get a little bit older, homework help and all these other things, now these kids flourish. And that's really why we're making a difference, to be honest with you. The education piece cannot connected to the baseball piece. Darren, what can you tell us about uh, what we were seeing out there today? I saw Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon walking around. The kids were explaining their projects to them. Uh, what was this all about today? 
I mean, today is really the celebration and the culminating event for the camp. And it's really to just bring everything, all this knowledge that they've learned over the course of the summer and showcase it. You know, through some amazing projects that these kids put together. You know, we were, we were talking about some of the goals of the program. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention was just the, the opportunity to expose kids to STEM, you know, using something that they love already. You know, it's, it's changing the perspective to help them understand that they can use sports to make it applicable to improving their math and understanding science principles. You know, and also just as we look outside of baseball and all the different job opportunities that are available in sports, you know, broadcasting, another thing, you know, we, we, we'd focus a little bit on that. We'd talk to them about coding. We'd talk to them about engineering design process. So like, what does it take to design a stadium? You know, so understanding that there are so many different opportunities outside of playing the game and that they can still pursue in STEM and in sports is, is really the goal here, is how do we use it to our advantage to help them understand it better using something that they love. Well, guys, I got to tell you, I think this is awesome out here. This one, one of the, my favorite days of the entire baseball season, seeing you out here and, and seeing the reaction when those guys pulled up, the reaction on their faces, oh, at, at, as good as it gets. Thank you guys so much. Life Thank changing. You. Thank you so much for having us here. Appreciate it, brother. That's so great. Hey, thank you for those guys uh, for the time, uh, Darren Heaton and Daryl Miller. Credit to them for putting the project together, but I, I, I'm telling you, I will never forget the look on those kids' faces when they saw Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and the impact that it can make on them. Um, and I think that Trout and Rendon were impacted by it as well. And look, hey, we all know this season has been nowhere close to what we thought it was going to be, what the expectation was for this team. That being said, the impact that these guys can still have and uh, just being there to support and giving these kids some hope and um, that is so much bigger than baseball and that's what this is all about so the community outreach uh, credit to Adam Cowley and Grace McNamee and, and a whole handful of others uh, that uh, really helped uh, put this together from the Angels' side, but especially uh, to Trout and Rendon, to, to spend that time with them, uh, the impact they make is so much bigger than just hitting a baseball a real long way. So it was cool to experience that. It was cool to see those guys uh, here and there. As far as the future of the Angels, boy, the A team in Rocket City is the one that is garnering a whole lot of attention these days, and that's why I spoke with the Rocket City Trash Pandas play-by-play -play man, Josh Carey, to fill us in on what the Trash Pandas have been like this year. He's Josh Carey, the play-by-play -play voice of the Rocket City Trash Pandas, the Angels AA affiliate in Alabama. We're excited to have Josh on the program once again. Josh, I got to tell you, man, watching your team play as well as they have, it's fun checking in on what's going on at the AA level. I'd imagine things are, uh, you guys are having a good time, it seems like, there in Rocket City. Yeah, everyone's having a blast. I mean, the, the community loves this team. They love having minor league baseball back. And then you just add on the fact that you have a competitive, quality, winning ball club. Uh, everyone just loves these guys. So it's really a fun time to be here. And uh, I, the best news I can tell you, Trent, and to Angels fans out there is that 
you got help coming. You got some good prospects down here. Uh, they just got to continue to grow and learn and improve their game until they can finally make their way to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And I want to talk about some of those prospects, some of those names in a moment. But I uh, just wanted to get a, also a further glimpse into what you know baseball is like in Huntsville, considering in Mobile when the team moved, it's only been a few years that you guys have been up there. What are maybe some of the differences you've seen just in the way the community has embraced the Trash Pandas? Well, I, the first things first, I mean, you just have the stadium. And in minor league baseball, you you have to do more than just win. You have to entertain as well. So uh, the fact that we have this state-of-the-art stadium and it's kind of the hot place to be, there's really not another big sporting outlet in this area. So everything revolves around the trash pandas. That's the place to be. That's the place to go hang out. And it's this beautiful stadium with uh, a tremendous marketing team that knows how to push the fun aspect of minor league baseball to the masses. Uh, that's really the big thing that really draws a lot of people. And then when you can put a competitive team uh, on the field as well, you got to remember this is Alabama. Folks have that SEC mentality. There's still that competitive uh, juice that folks have. And so when you put a good team out there that's able to win on a night-to-night basis, it just makes it all that much more fun to watch, and it allows people to pump their chest out with a little bit of pride too. Yeah, and you guys have been winning. It's been cool uh, watching that. Want to get to some of the names about maybe why you guys are having uh, this kind of success. First things first, Sam Bachman. I know that has missed a, a bulk of the season with an injury, uh, but has made his way back now. What are some of the things that you've seen from Sam and, and the way that he is developing now? I know it's been a small sample, but what have you seen from Sam Bachman? Yeah, so he was out for uh, about four or five weeks, and maybe six, due to some back issues, which also hampered him at the very beginning of the season. Biggest thing is his accuracy. I mean, the guy, for such a young pitcher, has tremendous command and control of the strike zone. He knows exactly where he wants to pinpoint the baseball, and he's he's fantastic. Runs into about the mid-90s with his fastball. Good slider change-up combo as well. So he's already got three pitches to work with. Uh, I know he wants to work on the curveball as well, t- try to develop a fourth pitch. But really, those are the main uh, the main attributes to him. Tremendous control and three pitches to work with already. I would say the biggest thing he needs to work on is not getting so hard on himself. Uh, there have been a couple of times where he's gotten into some trouble in the ball games, and you see, see kind of a tailspin type of effect. One thing leads to another, then suddenly there's a snowball type of avalanche that happens on him. As long as he can just keep within himself and do and control what he can control, he's going to be a very good pitcher. Uh, is he going to be Reed Detmers? I, I won't go that far, but I think he has a chance to be a very a quality major league starter down the road. Well, I mean, that's exciting to hear that. I mean, and Reed has been uh, off the charts. Uh, before we get to – I want to get some other names, but – I mean, you guys have to be pretty proud watching Reed Detmers, right? Does that mean something? Do you guys fall along with Detmers doing what he's doing at the big league level? Yeah, absolutely, and we're so proud of him because it's so strange to think that at this time last year, he was still with us. (laughs) He was still a trash bandit. He was still in double-A, and he was wiping out guys left and right, and you just saw it coming. And you knew there would be struggles, which he had following the no-hitter, but you knew that he had the intelligence, the patience, and the maturity to be able to make adjustments and be able to do things on the fly. And so far, you know, he humbled himself going back to AAA, coming back up to the majors. So far, he's looked very good. He's one of these guys who you just looked at and said, this guy's got major league quality all over him. And, uh, yeah, we are so proud that the guy who threw the first pitch in our stadium's history 
threw a no-hitter and is now in the majors really trying to make a name for himself with a great organization. And that immaculate inning his last time out was crazy. And, and he did he – you, you called one of those, right, when he was with you guys? Yeah, he did one back last June against Biloxi. Uh, I think Biloxi not quite as good as the team he faced last <laughs> week. But uh, still, to, to do that and then to follow it up with a no-hitter and then another immaculate inning at the major league level – uh, the guy is the guy is for real. Now it's just a matter of again, and I say this a lot of times when it comes to young ball players, just being consistent and doing it week in, week out, start after start. As long as he stays on this path, he's going to take some lumps, but just stays on the path as he is right now. He's going to be pretty darn good. So Angels fans have a lot to look forward to with him. As far as some of the pitchers in Double A now, I know we know the names like Sam Bachman. We just talked about Kai Bush. Who are some of the guys that you're seeing right now that are like, you know what, this guy's got a real chance? Yeah, so Kai is another one. Uh, Right now, the biggest thing about Kai is that at this time last year, he was just drafted. So still a lot of growth, a lot of maturity to do. He was in the Major League uh, Futures game, uh, I think, two weeks ago now, and pitched very well there. One bugaboo to him is that he's struggling to get left-handers out, and he's a left-handed pitcher. So that's a side of the ball that he really needs to take control of. But good fastball-slider combo, another change-up type artist. But right now, it's primarily that fastball and slider. And big, tall guy. I mean, great body, great build to be a pitcher. Uh, he can. He's the type of guy who can go seven and eight innings and a great competitor. Uh, I, I always say he looks like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. Uh, but... <laughs> He is he when he's on the mound. He is fierce and he goes right after guys. As long as he keeps uh, the same attitude, great guy to be around. He's going to be very good as well. I know, like Colton Ingram's put up some pretty good numbers with you guys. Eric Torres out of the bullpen seems like he's put up some pretty good numbers. Um, any of the, any of those guys jumping out? So Tor, okay. So for Torres and Ingram, those are both closers who uh, you know they they each come from some unique backgrounds. Colton was a 37th-round draft choice by the Detroit Tigers, uh, got released during the pandemic, Angels signed him, and this guy came out of nowhere. And you look at his numbers when he was at high A, they didn't wow you. But again, fastball, slider, very consistent and very confident in his approach. He has a great closer's mentality, very quiet to himself. Uh, I've, I've always heard that when it comes to closers, it's about what's in the heart. And the guy has a big, big heart. And he goes out there trying to finish ball games. He doesn't care what round he was drafted in. He feels he's better than anyone outside on that field, and he shows it. Eric Torres, left-hander, has a bit of a sidearm delivery. He's interesting because when he was at Kansas State, he was a middle reliever. This guy didn't have closer on him. And suddenly they put him in there. Uh, they drafted him last year. They put him into some late-inning situations, and they said, my goodness, this guy has some wa- some great wipeout stuff. Uh, curveball, change-up type pitcher. Has his fastball, and his will sit in the low 90s or so. But really, he's more of a slide, uh, more of a slider pitcher uh, prototypically. I really like what he has to offer as well. I don't know if those guys will be everyday closers moving forward when they get to the big league level but at least they're going to be set-up men uh, down the line. Well, as the Angels try to put together a bullpen moving forward, uh, I think it's important to look at names like that that are already in the system. Okay, we all know that Nick Saban is the biggest star in Alabama. 
Sonny Deshara has got to be right there, though. <laughs> the impact he's making uh, for this Angels organization with you guys. As I'm looking at the numbers now, already a 963 OPS. I mean, he's putting up a ridiculous numbers as uh, the SEC Player of the Year this past season, co-player of the year. The Angels' fifth-round draft pick uh, is a big boy that seems to be making a lot of noise there in Rocket City. What can you tell us about Sonny D? Okay, so here's the deal. They list him at 263. You better add about another 20 pounds onto that. He's a big, big, big biscuit-eating boy. I mean, uh, he. Uh, I will say this. He's played in three games, so it's a very small sample size. Uh, the first two games he faced a very bad pitching staff, staff in Chattanooga, which is the Reds affiliate. Got the job done. He hit a ball nearly over the center field wall where he just flicked his wrist and the ball just took off. That was impressive. Now, last night, he played the Cubs affiliate, the Tennessee Smokies, struck out four times. And so the thing that I'm I'm a little nervous about with him is that they've started him at a very high level. Double-A is not a a level to trifle with. It's one of these deals where I can definitely see him coming here and struggling a little bit just because this is not the SEC. This is a big step up. So I'm going to be interested to see how quickly he adjusts to quality pitching and realizes that hey, the stuff they were throwing in the SEC, it's not going to. I'm not going to be seeing that stuff here. I got to make adjustments. Um, I, but I do see the potential for a big fella. He's very nimble. He can definitely move around the bag. And at the plate, like I said, all he has to do is get into one just a little bit, and the ball is going to take off his back. So I definitely see the potential. I'm still a little surprised he's at Double A, but we'll just see what happens here in the next few weeks and see how he adjusts. When you look at some of the other Angel prospects that are at the AA level right now, I know Trey Cabbage is having a great year. Ryan Aguilar, we saw him in spring training. Aaron Whitehead, same thing. And Jeremiah Jackson. Uh, you, when you look at that group of offensive players, who are maybe some of the guys that you feel like are starting to make some strides here that, that could potentially have a chance moving forward? Oh boy, you would have loved Trey Cabbage. Uh, unfortunately, he broke his arm. Uh, during a game in early May. At the time, he was leading the league in average home runs and RBI. I really think he would have had a chance to make an impact at the major league level this year if he had stayed healthy. I would love to see the Angels give him another shot next year because he has a lot to offer. Uh, Aaron Whitefield uh, broke his leg uh, during a series at Birmingham, but you guys saw him at the major league level earlier this season. Didn't really get a great chance to showcase what he has to offer, but tremendous speed, tremendous leader in the locker room. Uh, still, it's got to get a little more consistent. There were times where he would go into some prolonged slumps, even here at the double-A level, but runs like a deer, smart ball player, tremendous outfielder. He's another guy who I can see getting an opportunity next year. Now, when you get into some of these other guys, Jeremiah Jackson, Jordan Adams, very young guys, very, very young and very raw. You see the potential. It's just not quite there yet. Uh, right now, Jordan and Jeremiah both are in some uh, pretty prolonged slumps. I think they're only hitting about 100 over the last 10 games or so. But when they're playing well, they can run. They are tremendous both in their defensive positions. Uh, Jeremiah, middle infielder, Jordan in the outfield. I really like what these guys have to offer. They have a great all-around game. they just got to get more consistent at the plate. And for Jeremiah's sake, he's got to get a little better, a little more consistent fielding those ground balls. But he's 21 years old. You expect him to make mistakes, and that's okay. Ryan Aguilar, 
he might be my favorite player of anyone on the team because he doesn't have that wow batting average that's going to make eyes pop out. But I'll tell you what, he leads the league in on-base percentage, and he's ninth in on-base plus slugging. The guy's doing something right. He knows an approach to the plate. He knows how to draw walks. He knows how to get on base. And when he does, he can run all over the place. This is a very speed-oriented team, and there's a lot of great things to pick on, uh, to pick from. Last year's team just hit home runs. These guys do a little bit of everything, and it's fun to watch. Josh, great stuff. Appreciate the insight. And keep on enjoying uh, what that double-A team uh, is doing there in Rocket City. Already playoff bound, having won the first half. And I uh, can't wait to see what's in store here the rest of the way. Josh Carey, thank you so much. All right, Trent, I appreciate it. Thanks again to Josh Carey for the time there. Before we continue to take our dive down to the depths of the Angels organization and find out what's coming up, what the future is going to be like for the Halos, let's first pause for a moment for a word from our sponsors. Back here on the Angels Recap Podcast, my name is Trent Rush, talking about the future of Angels baseball. Who is in the system? Who is coming up? Uh, what the Angels were able to do at the trade deadline through the Major League Draft. Well, that's something that I talked about with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. Uh, he covers Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball really, really well. Just taking a look at uh, the depths of the organizations across baseball. This guy really knows uh, the game and the players from the grassroots level and it's always enjoyable to talk with Kyle Glazer and he and I spoke shortly after the trade deadline in fact he was down in San Diego at the time when Juan Soto uh, was being introduced as a Padre but uh, he stepped aside from that interview to talk some Angels baseball with us so now here's our chat with Kyle Glazer. Joined now by Kyle Glazer Baseball America one of the great insiders that you're going to find when it comes to prospects uh, guys coming up and the impact they can make at the big league level. Kyle's in San Diego at the moment. Just had a chance uh, to speak with Juan Soto. As far as uh, the Angels are concerned, a little different situation. Angels uh, unfortunately in a position where they had to be sellers at the deadline. They bring in a bevy of new prospects. Logan O'Hoppy is, is really the one, the catcher uh, that they ended up getting in the Brandon Marsh trade with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, Kyle, what can you tell us about Logan O'Hoppy and just what the Angels were able to do in, in getting more pieces uh, for their top prospects? group yeah the angels have really lacked a long-term catcher in their farm system for years now it's been a long time since they've really had one and that's why you've seen them have to make some trades or patch the hole with uh, some low-cost veteran signings over the last few seasons logan O'Hoppy gives them a guy who could be a really good everyday catcher uh, first and foremost from your catcher spot you always want leadership and he's just an exceptional leader. He really knows how to work with pitchers. Uh, even though he only speaks English, he's able to connect with Spanish-speaking pitchers really well, which is pretty rare to see. He showed that off in the fall league. He's a really good receiver, uh, knows how to call a game, works hard for his pitchers back there. Those are all the things you want to see from a catcher behind the plate. But it's not like he's a glove-only guy. He's a, he's a strong guy. He's really worked hard to improve his game offensively. He's making more contact. There's real power in there. He gives the Angels someone that could be just a really good all-around catcher for years to come. We have him ranked as one of the top 100 prospects in baseball for the combination of his abilities, both offensively and defensively. And if everything goes according to plan and he stays healthy, which you know is always big with catchers, but if he stays healthy, uh, there's no reason he shouldn't take over as the Angels catcher and stick there for a long time to come. 
It sounded like in, in talking with Perry Manassian earlier this week, that was kind of the thought uh, at some point. I mean, obviously, Max Stassi is under contract for a little bit, but uh, it sounds like the plan is for O'Hoppy to be the long-term answer uh, as the Angels' backstop uh, moving forward. want to get into the draft in a second, but while we're still talking about the trade deadline, uh, Mickey Moniak is somebody that once was a number 1 overall pick. Uh, he now joins the Angels. What's his path been like? Because I know that uh, he, again, a number 1 overall overall pick isn't super high on the prospect list anymore, but somebody that still, I would think, shows some upside. Yeah, he's only 24 years old. He turned 24 this year, so he's still young. Um, the thing with Mickey Moniak when he was taken number one overall, it was an underslot deal. It wasn't the case where people thought he was really the best prospect in the draft. The Phillies were trying to cut the deal, and unfortunately, that probably put some unfair pressure on him. Um, he's always been a, a player who has a chance to be good. Um, there's not really a superstar ceiling in there. There never has been. However, he's shown some ability to hit from the left side, not in the majors, but when you watch him in the minors, you see it's a smooth left-handed stroke. Um, he has a little bit of thump in there. It's more doubles than home runs, but he can drive a baseball. Um, he can play all three outfield positions. More than anything, this gives him a chance to kind of reset, get a fresh start. Um, the weight of expectations in Philadelphia was just way too much on him and, and pretty unfair to the kid. But I think coming to Anaheim, where, again, he's back home, he's a San Diego area native, he's back home in Southern California, fresh start without those expectations, he can just go out and play. I think there's a chance we'll see him you know, perform decently well. Again, just a good left-handed hitter who hits for a little bit of average, and doubles, occasional home runs, plays all over the outfield. There's value in that. I know that change of scenery sometimes the term that's overused, but Moniak really seems like a guy uh, that could really fit that change of scenery uh, kind of mold, and maybe it does work out with the Angels. Certainly, uh, Angel fans are hoping for that for sure. Let's talk draft for a second, Kyle. Last year, the Angels had a no-hitter. They took all pitchers, 20 for 20 in last year's draft. They still went pretty pitcher-heavy uh, in this draft, but at the same time, went with Zach Nato, uh, the shortstop, uh, number one overall college shortstop, uh, not number one overall, in their first round, I should say, uh, 13th overall. He is now one of the top prospects right away um, on a lot of the lists for the Angels. What do you know about Zach Neto, and what do you think of the Angels' pick there in the first round? Yeah, well, I talked about them not really having a long-term catcher, and that's what made Ohapi such a good pick. You know, the long-term shortstop outlook wasn't great either. Um, you know, Jeremiah Jackson, there's real questions about the bat there. Kyron Parrish has really struggled. Uh, and for the Angels, getting a guy like Neto, who is a really, really good athlete, who can play really all over the infield, that's one of the things that gives him a lot of value. He can stand at shortstop and be pretty good there. If he needs to move to second base, third base, you can bounce him around a lot of places. He gives you that versatility. And he's put up some big, big numbers in college. Now, we have to keep in mind, it was out of mid-major. He didn't see a lot of great, great pitching. But he showed pretty well in the Cape Cod League swing the wood bat. He controls the strike zone. There's a little bit of power in there. Uh, he's a really good base stealer, just in terms of his base stealing efficiency. Again, there's not anything in here that's a huge tool like, oh, my gosh, he's going to hit 300-plus or hit 30 home runs. But he's just a really good all-around player who's going to hit enough, get on base enough, play defense a couple different spots and really should be able to help the Angels in a number of different ways when he's ready. Kyle, I think one of the more interesting picks the Angels made was what they did in the third round when they took Ben Joyce out of Tennessee. Guy throws 105 miles per hour, uh, yet is a third-round pick, and I know that um, you know just outside the top 15 on a lot of the prospect list for what the Angels have in their system on their top 30, um, how does a pitcher that throws 105 miles per hour uh, not end up being taken in the first round? 
Yeah, this is where it's important to kind of separate out highlights from, uh, you know, watching a game in full. Uh, he throws very, very hard, but if you watch closely, Tennessee used him in low-leverage situations. Um, he really did not do a whole a whole lot in high-leverage situations. He was not their closer. Um, just to be frank, the coaching staff didn't really trust him in those high-leverage situations. The control's still a little rough. Uh, it's a lot of swings and misses out of the zone against college hitters that, you know, major leaguers, even if you're throwing 101, 102, 104, 105, sometimes will hold up on it. With Jordan Hicks has seen that, for example. You really have to throw the ball over the plate. So that's why he fell to the third round. He has a great arm, but... Um, again, more of a low-leverage college reliever with some strike-throwing concerns. So we're going to see what he's able to do, though, in pro ball. If he can put the ball over the plate enough, he has a chance to move quickly and, and maybe pitch himself into high-leverage situations. Overall, Kyle, I know that you put together assessments of uh, for a lot of different teams, whether it comes to trade deadline, whether it comes to, to the draft. Uh, just in regards to what Angels GM Perry Manassian has done, I, I think we all kind of understand what the Angels have had as far as prospects go over the last several years is, is not anywhere towards the top in Major League Baseball. How would you assess the job that Perry did over the last month in trying to bring more talent to the Angels organization? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a situation where, you know, he did the best he could. Um, again, we see teams just don't trade a lot for rentals in the case of Noah Syndergaard. Um, you know, Rachel Iglesias getting Tucker Davidson back. You know, he's an interesting young lefty who has had success at the AAA level, hasn't quite been able to translate at the big league level, but you understand taking a shot on him. Um, you know, we're going to see, again, none of these guys are superstars who are going to change the face of the Angels franchise, but... You know what? If Logan Hoppy ends up becoming a solid everyday catcher, you know, Mickey Moniak has a little bit of a turnaround, and you know, Tucker Davidson can figure some things out. Another guy, you know, moving to the organization, maybe getting a better, a bigger chance. You know, at the end of the day, if that helps to enhance the Angels' outlook, I think we'll be able to say they did okay this trade deadline. But a lot of it remains to be seen still. Kyle, appreciate your insight as always. Great work uh, at Baseball America, and uh, enjoy San Diego uh, while you're down there. Should be fun, man. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Trent. Thanks for having me. I was like getting that national perspective. We all talk about, okay, this is what the Angels are doing. What do other people think about what's going on in this organization? And Kyle Glazer, uh, appreciate uh, his words uh, there to uh, give us a little clue about uh, what the Angels have done for uh, stocking up the cupboard here. It's like going to Costco uh, to load up on prospects, what the Angels have done uh, there in the, in the last six weeks or so since the, the trade deadline and the include the draft in there. Uh, the Angels have done a lot to really bolster this system. And again, Logan Ohapi is Instantly the number one prospect in the Angels system as soon as the Angels acquire him. That is not insignificant. Another one of those players that we talked about was Mickey Moniak, who joins the Halos. Now, Mickey Moniak had an unfortunate break, literally. He broke his finger on a hit-by-pitch. Really tough uh, deal for, for Moniak to have to go through. But all that said, it sounds like uh, his road to recovery is going well. But before the injury, when Mickey Moniak first arrived with the Halos, he and I had a conversation about his new opportunity here with the Halos. All right, with Mickey Moniak now, new Angel, excited to see you out here, going to be out in the Angels outfield here tonight. Man, just want to get some of your thoughts on being an Angel and being here, now being a part of this organization. Oh, I mean, I'm fired up. You know, this is really close to home. I think yeah. about, you know, I flew into San Diego today, went and grabbed my car, made a nice little 45-minute drive up here. So, um, you know, just that aspect of it is exciting for me. And then also to you know, be a part of this organization, guys like Otani, Trout, you know, Walshy, Rendon, you know, guys that, you know, I could definitely lean on as a, as a young guy myself is, is something that uh, I'm looking forward to. And, um, 
you know, just an opportunity to go out and play. I think uh, that's the biggest thing for me, um, to be able to showcase what I can do, and, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get going. I know nobody wants to be traded, but for you, I mean, in many ways, this is like a homecoming, getting to come back uh, with North San Diego County, where you're yep. from. So to be uh, here in the OC, that's got to be pretty nice for you, too. I'm sure your family's pretty excited, yeah? Oh, they were ecstatic. I think, you know, everybody, my whole family lives in, uh, in San Diego, so, um, you know, everyone's around. Everyone's 45-minute drive up to five. So, uh, you know, played on a team in Orange County when I was uh, 12, 13 years old. Okay. So. You know, got a lot of ties around here, and, sure. and uh, you know, everyone's excited, you know, me included. So, What should Angel fans know uh, a little bit about your journey? I think that, you know, many people see uh, initial stuff about you when you were drafted, and, um, but since then, how's the rest of uh, your path been to get to this point? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously coming up with Philly, um, you know, made my debut in 20, so during that COVID year. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of been up with a team that, that was always right on the cusp of making the playoffs, and, and um you know, there wasn't a lot of a leeway for me to, to go out and play, and, and um, you know, it was uh, that's just what it was. And, and you know, coming here, I feel like you know I have a a good chance to go out there and just play, and, and you know, learn, be myself, and, and turn into the baseball that baseball player that I know I can be. And um, yeah, man, it's just uh, it's a blessing, honestly, to be here and just have that opportunity to be able to yeah. to go out and be me and just kind of. How valuable do you feel like that is? I mean, and to be able to do that at the major league level too, um, now here the next couple of months, trying to get your feet wet here in the bigs. No, 100%. And I think that, you know, as a young player, uh, for me it was every level. You know, you go back and look yeah. at my splits from the minor leagues and, you know, almost every every season I had, every first month was was a little shaky and, mm-hmm. and, and then obviously took off from there and had some good seasons. And, um, you know, for me it's a comfortability level. I think, you know, the more time I get, on the field playing more consistent at bats I have is is only going to benefit me further and, and, and allow me to get comfortable at this level and be the baseball player I know I can be. Nev was talking a moment ago about remembering you uh, in your days as a kid playing out in this area. Would you ever play with Tyler? Were you guys teammates at any point? Never teammates, but okay. did, did play against him yeah. quite a bit okay. in, uh, in high school and, and uh, you know, in the offseason, you know, we'll hit. Um, but I remember this past, this past year during the lockout, we had a group of guys going down to a local high school facing okay. live pitching and, and it was me him and a few other San Diego guys so that was cool um, but yeah I mean you know the San Diego ties here are, are pretty crazy you know I've talked to some people who yeah. you know been around the area and, and you know have houses there and, and stuff like that so it's just crazy coming back to the west coast after being on the east coast for the sure. last six seven years and um, you know it's exciting okay last thing uh, you, you make the jump to go to the Phillies what was like the biggest thing that you had to adjust in, in making that transition of being a West Coast guy and then going East and, and obviously now excited to come back West. But what was maybe the toughest part about going East? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you're far away from family. Being an 18-year-old yeah. kid going over there, I think, um, you know, in that first full season, you get a little homesick, and, and that was one adjustment that I had to make out there. And, uh, you know, I think that as I as I played and as I was over there more, you know, I got more comfortable. And, sure. and you know, that as you get older, that just comes with, you know, maturity. So, um you know, that and the humidity. I mean, <laughs> I think those are the two biggest things that stick out to me. And, and uh, 
yeah, it's good to be back. I, I mean, I don't think San Diego guys get to complain about weather like ever. Just as, as good as it gets out here in SoCal. Hey, man, appreciate you spending some time with me here today, and looking forward to, to seeing you now as a part of this organization. Absolutely, looking forward to being here, man. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. I'll tell you this, Mickey Moniak is a really easy guy to root for. So I'm looking forward to seeing him get back for the Angels, uh, be a part of the Angels outfield moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward. I know Magnery Sierra has had some pretty clutch moments, some big hits uh, this year. I've been intrigued by uh, Sierra and maybe what his role could look like moving forward, maybe as a fourth outfielder, pinch runner, uh, defensive replacement type moving forward. We'll have to see uh, what that ends up looking like for the Angels. But uh, Mickey Moniak is somebody that I I think that with a change of scenery could end up uh, having a, a pretty significant significant role for the Angels if he could become you know the player that many people believe at one point he was going to be. I'd say this also, the Angels pitching has been outstanding. You go back to July the 24th and you go all the way to what August 15th, 16th, the Angels have had in that stretch of close to a month the best starter ERA in the American League. I think that there are a lot of names to be excited about moving forward. I think Reed Detmers is at the very top of that list. We'll work on getting Reed on the podcast uh, here before season's end. Uh, but Reed Detmers at the top, Patrick Sandoval, for Sandy, I, you hold him to a high bar because you know the stuff is so good. You just want to see him get over the hump and be able to go just a little deeper into games. And I think that Sandoval has a chance to be special. I think Reed Detmers really has a chance to be special. Suarez had shown uh, some good new things with that uh, second changeup that he's throwing these days. So all these young left-handers are interesting. Tucker Davidson is interesting. I know Tuki Dusant got roughed up in the third inning uh, against Seattle just the other day. But uh, before that, he had shown some moments that are intriguing about what this guy might be able to be. At one point, he was widely considered to be the best pitching prospect in baseball. Um, you know, you talk to people that go uh, went and watched Tuki Toussaint as like a 16, 17, 18-year-old at these big showcase events. They, they talk about Tuki Toussaint like he was some kind of god. Like you had to go watch this guy, stop what you're doing to go watch Tuki pitch. If you can get Tuki in a new situation and, and be able to pull some of that back out of him, and, and maybe he can be that in the future, boy, that'd be really exciting for the Angels moving forward. There are a lot of young pitchers in the organization that are under team control that are all going to be back next year that I think have a chance to be pretty good. Pitching has not been the issue for the Angels this season. That was something the Angels wanted to address in the offseason. They did, and it continues to get better. And now you got to find out what's going on with the bats, and it starts with getting guys healthy. And I'll be the first one to admit, I think I underestimated the role of David Fletcher and the impact that Fletch has had on the Angels. Not only um, is he a, a very good bat when he is healthy and things are going right, but, I mean, he's a glue guy in every sense. In terms of the clubhouse, he's somebody that can hang with the biggest superstars in baseball or guys that just get called up and everything in between. David Fletcher has this unique ability to be able to connect with everybody, and he does it through like the, the most dry sense of humor ever. I, I really like David Fletcher. He's a good guy. Uh, that uh, you know, We love how David Fletcher plays the game of baseball. But you just, boy, I did not realize how much the Angels missed him. It's because he wasn't healthy for a long time. He wasn't putting up very good numbers. Now you know what Fletch can be when he is right, and it's the Fletcher that we have known and loved for a number of years now with the Angels. So getting that David Fletcher back I think is a big deal. Uh, looking forward to seeing that to continue here for the Halos. And, boy, it's I know it sounds cliche. I know it sounds like a broken record. It's just about health for the Angels. And if you could have this lineup healthy, 
healthy with the young pitching that is developing. Um, you can start to feel good about the future for the Angels, especially with what's going on in Double A. Especially uh, the the team that's playing right now in Tempe, the Angels Complex out in Arizona, is having great success as well. There is there is good young talent in this organization. Uh, there is a light at the end of this dark tunnel that I know has been uh, much of the season for the Angels after the first couple of months, but uh, you can start to see some things happening underneath surface level that are exciting about what's to come for the Angels. It's not going to happen overnight, but you can see uh, that there are some good things. There are wheels in motion for the Angels that uh, are are pretty fun to look forward to uh, here for the Halos. All right, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. My goodness, got to thank Darren Heaton and Daryl Miller uh, for coming on the show to Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, Josh Carey from the Rocket City Trash Pandas, and of course, Mickey Moniak uh, for joining us as well. For Hannah Stang, Alex Tino, Adam Chachko, Matt Birch, Howard Drescher, Gregory Hall, all the people that are a part of this Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks to all of them, and especially thanks to you, the fans, uh, for making all this happen. Before we leave you here, did want to point out a couple of things coming up here at the ballpark for the Angels. Some promo nights coming up because Labor Day weekend is going to be a good one here at Angel Stadium. September the 2nd, it's going to be Ducks Night at the Big A, and there's a giveaway to go with that, a Ducks Hockey Helmet Beanie that's being presented by Bally Sports. And the next night on Saturday, September the 3rd, not only do you get Saturday Night Fireworks, but it's also going to be a Cowboy Hat Night that's presented by U-Theory Turmeric. Get your Cowboy Hat uh, when you get to the Big A. Then on Sunday, of course, kids run the bases, Family Sunday at the ballpark, but also a Rally Monkey giveaway presented by Orange County Healthcare Agency. Then the homestand after that, uh, Friday, September the 16th, the Mike Trout City Connect bobblehead presented by OC Healthcare Agency and OC Navigator.org. Pretty cool. Uh, some of the upcoming items that are going to be available at the Big A. All giveaways are for the first 25,000 fans in attendance. Um, and uh, you can check that out again. If, for more information, go to angels.com slash promotions. Lastly, thanks to Brewery X for hosting us for Angels Recap uh, six times this season. We had a blast there. If you did not get a chance to get out to Brewery X uh, this year, hopefully you get a chance to do it again in the future. Lots and lots of fun there. Love doing the show at Brewery X. They are awesome over there. It's a great place to go. Hang out, enjoy, uh, and just relax. Family-friendly atmosphere, great environment, uh, and great beer, great food as well. So uh, go check that out. And to everyone that was there, uh, you know how much fun all of that was at Brewery X. Okay, I'm Trent Rush. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast.